Well, Ryan, I suppose um, we should start with the ads, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Wait, why are you laughing? <laughs> this episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because... I mean, that was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't right. Florida good, but it was... That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. We were in Florida last night, and they were just... Uh, they just li- dislike advertisements more than you. It's fine. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Sean, delete that. We'll just go back and do it. We'll pretend that didn't happen, and we'll start from the beginning. All right. Shh, here we go. All right. Take one. <laughs> this episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because... I really want to apologize. To the, and there's like three or four people who are in advertising in here. And I, <laughs> look, I know you're a part of the problem. But, um, <clears throat> but it doesn't mean we don't love you. Any, it, I mean, we do. It's just that um, there is a, a major, major issue going on right now. It's called consumerism, and it's fueled by markers, marketers and demographers and so forth. And I was, used to be one of these people, so I... I totally get it. Anyway, we have a special guest here tonight. Before we get there, I guess we give him an introduction. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. And we are live here in Atlanta. Oh, man, we have a special guest for you here tonight. Um... Here's how these things work. We'll have a short conversation, but then there's a microphone set up back here as well. So if any of you have a question and you want to go over to the microphone, it usually takes one person to break the seal, and then all of a sudden there is a a herd of people who run toward the microphone, and so that first courageous person can break the seal. We'll take it easy on you, I promise. (laughs) But before we get to questions, Ryan, I thought we would bring up our guest. Yeah. What a special night it is tonight, and I'm grateful that we get to spend this evening with you and and with him. You know him from Netflix, you know him from The Minimalist Podcast, and you also know him from his hit show, Revolution of One. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, T.K. Coleman. So y'all wrote the book, but I wrote the theme song. <laughs> Love people, use things. <laughs> coming, the album is coming out That's this right. Christmas. That's right. There's an EP that... Uh, hey, yeah. hey, I, I, got, I got a funny story about uh, music. You want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear it. It has nothing to do with anything that we're here for tonight. But. So I've been traveling a lot this past month. You guys know, know this, being on tour in and out of Uber rides, hotels, and so on. So I live in Charleston, it's not like LA where you can always get an Uber, so you gotta schedule ahead of time. So it's like 4.30 in the morning, I'm standing outside, it's dark out there, I'm waiting on my Uber ride, just me, my lonesome, my briefcase, and driver pulls up, and his windows are tinted, and uh, you just hear the sound of his bass like, (laughs) 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 Now usually what happens is I walk up to my car, the driver gets out, they reach for my suitcase. I go, no, 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 I'm good. And then they say, no, no, I got it. I go, no, no, I'm good. They say, I got it. And I say, okay, cool, thank you. Right? And then they take my, my suitcase. This guy didn't do that. You just see the pop, the, the trunk pop. <laughs> so it's 4.30 in the morning. It's dark outside. I'm by myself. <laughs> trunk pops. I'm like, okay. All right. So I put my own, you know, suitcase in. And then I get in. He says nothing to me. 
he just looks at me through the rear view, keeps going with this music, still loud, doesn't turn it down at all. So we get like halfway to the airport and we're stopped at a red light and he turns his music down. No, no, first, before he turns it down, he says, some, some, some. I go, what? Some, some, some. I say, what? Some, some, some. What? Then he turns his music down and he says, is my music too loud? <laughs> okay, it's not over, right? So, as you all know, big part of my philosophy of life is to strive for a life of self-authenticity, to be willing to stand alone for the sake of taking a stand. And, you know, you got to be willing to look people in the eyes and speak your truth, even if that means they might be disappointed in you or they might stereotype you. And so I'm thinking to myself, I want to tell this guy the truth right now, but we're like 10 minutes away from the airport. And if I tell him the truth, it might be an awkward ride, right? And if he stereotypes me in the wrong direction, I might get like a, with like two stars or something like that. I, I want those five stars, man, right? So there's truth or five-star rating. You know, priorities. You gotta keep that rating, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, that sounds like a, a memoir title <laughs> by T.K. Coleman. Truth or five stars. I love it. Actually, it sounds like a self-help book, five-star truth. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, and, and he's, he's waiting on his answer. And this red light is lasting forever, right? <laughs> And I'm thinking, okay, this, this inner voice says, you cannot tell students that they need to be authentic and refuse to tell this man what you really think. And I'm like, oh man, I just gotta keep it real. And uh, he's looking at me, his hands are on the volume dial. The light is red, I'm waiting for it to turn green. Is my music too loud? And I say, hey man, I'm, I'm just gonna keep it real with you, bro, to be honest. I love Mariah Carey, so you can turn out all the way up. All the way up, bro. And the whole way there, man, we just like, dream, love, come, We were working it, man, for the whole 10 minutes. That was the best ride of my life. So nothing to do with anything that we're here for, but that's my traveling story. God, TK, I love you. Yeah, man. Oh, that's great. TK has been on our podcast, I think, nine times at this point. He's, yeah. at this point, the honorary third minimalist. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what basketball player does that remind you of? Uh, Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> <laughs> no one gets the reference. It's fine. Um, it's a 90s basketball reference. Um, but tonight is special because you and I and Ryan, it's almost as though, like, we, we have this weird Venn diagram of things that we disagree about. And Ryan and I disagree about things all, all the time. But when we put this third puzzle piece in here, it's almost as though like TK becomes the mediator and we form some sort of detente. And it feels like even we're disagreeing, we're agreeing about everything. I don't know how you do it, man. There's a little bit of magic. So we got a microphone back there. I'd love to, uh, to start answering some questions. Hi, uh, my name is Alejandra. Uh, I'm going to read it so it's easier for me. Great. Um, yeah, so I have one question and then one request for the audience, but it's something nice. Um, <laughs> since, uh, since I started listening to you guys, I live in three different countries, but your message hit me different when I arrived here to do my PhD. Uh, I've seen how overconsumption is seen as an intrinsic part of being a person in the United States because uh, we don't use the term American like you guys do. Um, so even when I say I don't have a car in Atlanta, people see that as a superpower of being someone from abroad. 
So my question is, uh, if you've seen that overconsumption is used as a part of being an American, and also in a critique way, are you seeing that minimalism is being shown as a Western solution? Because mm -hmm. I feel that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Depends on what you, what do you mean by Western, exactly? Uh, I think sometimes uh, it's like a problem that other countries have not created. And I think the power of, or sorry, the pressure of under consuming is being put in places where we're not producing this program. Sure, and, and what's the problem specifically? Oh, Overconsumption, having yeah. too many things. I feel uh, even for some immigrants communities here, that's a way to defend because we have to pretend sure. to be from here, right? In, in the book we talk about, let's, let's just take human beings out of it for a second. There's this great study between, uh, about chimps and bonobos. And um, what we learn is that as babies, chimps and bonobos are essentially the same. They'll share their bananas with other chimps and bonobos that are around them. But as they get older, they tend to bifurcate. And the, the bonobos will share. In fact, they'll even share when you try to force them to not share. And you incentivize them to not share. They become even more generous. The chimpanzees, if, they, if, you, give them two, if you give them one banana, they'll eat it. If you give them enough to eat for themselves and then enough to share, they will share. But if you give them an overabundance of bananas, they will fight other chimpanzees to the death to hold on to those bananas, which will then just rot after they've killed the other chimpanzees. And so what's the, uh, the moral of this? Is we get to decide where we end up here. I don't even think it's a uniquely Western problem or a uniquely human problem necessarily. It could be a primate problem or it could be... Um, amplified, though, by the Western world, by Americans. In fact, it's funny, when we tour overseas, uh, people still call it the American dream. In Australia, they call it the American dream. In Canada, they call it the American dream. In South Africa, they call it the American dream. And what is it? It used to be, what was the American dream before? Oh, if I make a modest salary, I could buy a modest house and earn modest means to provide for my family, right? That sounds wonderful. But now it's not keeping up with the Joneses, it's keeping up with everyone on your Instagram feed. And so it's been exacerbated by the Western world for sure, but I think there's a, a fundamental problem there as well. What do you think, TK? So I think part of what separates us as human beings from inanimate objects or plant life is that we crave action. We're not just brains in a vat. We're not just lifeless statuettes. We like to move around. We like to do stuff. And not just do stuff, we like to do stuff that is meaningful. We crave purposefully directed action. We, we long to use our organs and our faculties to express ourselves creatively in a way that uniquely showcases our like preferences, our priorities, and so on. And so we're not truly fulfilled unless we are creative. I heard someone say once that if aliens were to come visit our planet and they were to look at our science, they wouldn't be really impressed because their scientific understanding of the universe would be superior to ours. If they looked at our technology, they really wouldn't be impressed because their technology would be presumably more advanced than ours. But if they went into our comedy clubs, into our theaters, if they watched the way that we compose songs when we fall in love, they would say, wow, what's that? That's really interesting because art is subjective that what makes us human is our capacity to create. That's where we find our deepest gladness. 
Now, what happens when we become alienated from our creative self? Well, we tend to become consumers. Not just consumers in a way that's necessary to sustain life in a healthy manner, but consumers in a way of trying to compensate for a void in our lives that can only be fulfilled through that expression of our highest self. And there are many ways to be out of touch with your creativity. You can be out of touch with creativity because you have low self-esteem. You can be out of touch with creativity because you believe other people are better than you, because you don't believe that it's possible, because you feel like you don't have money. And so when you look around the world in different geographical spaces, you find human beings come up with different excuses or different reasons in different places at different times throughout history for not believing in their creativity. The solution is the same, but the manifestation of the problem varies from individual to individual. And so what I would say is what's unique about America is that the reason we use for alienating ourselves from creativity is consumption. That's what makes us unique. But what binds us all together as a species is that we love to create. And ultimately, minimalism is just a way of getting back to that, right? So I wouldn't think about minimalism mathematically as if it's a philosophy that's characterized by the absence of stuff. But I would say minimalism, you want to think about it meaningfully. It's, it's characterized by the presence of purposeful, creative action. And that's the solution, and it works for anyone, anywhere. But we have to figure out what's their unique cultural hangup that's separating them from that first. Does that make sense? Yeah. I really should have went before you, TK. <laughs> you know, the alien talk reminds me of, uh, we've had some good talks about aliens. Like, I, I'm not like, I don't believe in aliens, but I love talking about all that, all that alien stuff anyway. I, 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 that example came from, um, I almost hate to admit, admit this, but Coast to Coast AM. <laughs> That's where they talked about Credibility is shredded. Oh. You know, I really appreciate the critique because, you know, I really, I try to live the most genuine life possible. Like, that is the one thing I've learned over the last 10 years is, like, that's, that's and it, unbeknowingly to me, that's how you really get to, like, love the person you see in the mirror. It's like, when you live a genuine life, it's so much easier to look at yourself in the mirror and it's easy to take critiques because, honestly, like, anything should be able to be critiqued. And when it comes to minimalism, um, I, I love having these conversations because I do think from that perspective of consumption that maybe it is just a Western solution, a Western problem. But kind of as TK was illuminating, you know, minimalism, it's an answer to a lot of different problems. And, and I think, it, like you said, these problems, they manifest in different ways. But, you know, I've had people email me from Kenya who were like, hey, like, I just want to say thank you so much for your message because, you know, I'm in Kenya and I was trying to get this job at the bank because I wanted to consume. And what I realized is that the life I have is actually a really good life. And there's no reason to like throw myself into this, this job just to be able to consume like an American. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, minimalism, yes, it helps with the stuff. It helps with if, if, you're, a, if you're a hoarder. Um, but it also helps, like, if you're a collector and, like, maybe you want to, like, uh, you know, minimize some of your, of your collection or you're an artist and you got too many art supplies. But also, it helps with the impulse. And that is really what I appreciate about minimalism is, like, no matter where you are in the world, there is this impulse we all have to consume as much as possible. And what minimalism helps us do is it stops that impulse and it helps us question it. And sometimes we act on it. And that's okay. But if we act on it every single time, like, that's where the misery starts to, to seep in. So 
You know, is minimalism a Western solution? Yeah, but it's also an Eastern solution. It's a solution for anyone. They might just have a different problem that they're using minimalism to solve. Yeah, I think all the great thinkers that I'm that I'm inspired by, not all of them, but many of them are, are from the Eastern world, from India in particular. And, uh, I mean, they're ancient philosophies. And, and so this is not a new solution. I don't think of it as a solution, but I understand why people use that word. It's not a new idea. But what is new is the problem. And it's this Western problem that has been amplified by, I mean, it doesn't it feel a bit dystopian that the place you buy groceries from is also the place that, you know, is essentially where you buy everything from. I mean, this was what movies did as almost a parody of the future just 20, 30 years ago. It was like, oh yeah, everything you buy is all going to come from one mega corporation. They call it like Acme or something. And it turns out it's just Amazon now. And now when people hear me say that, they, they think I'm saying, well, Amazon is bad or evil and we should you know, do something to them. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. Well, what I'm talking about is how we make our decisions. And what we do quite often is we opt for convenience. We remove all of our friction. And that sounds wonderful until you realize once you've removed all the friction, you also lose traction. If you're just driving on ice, you're going to slide all over the place. And that's what we're doing right now with consumerism. Thanks for your question. Thanks. Uh, I don't want to get the request pass. Is um, your book in the Georgia library system has always like a 30 people waiting line because there's only like one copy in the whole state. So if anyone here has a spare copy, please donate it. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Um, oh, that's awesome. That's how you can minimize it afterwards. Man, there's a bunch of uh, minimalists going to the library. Wait, wait, and 30 in line, that's crazy. Yeah, and it's, um, and the thing is, like, I know they try to supply a bunch to, to libraries, but at some point, like, the best way we can do that is when you're done with a book, you just donate it to your local library. It'll go right into the system. Beautiful. Thank you so awesome. much. Yeah. Thanks for that request. Howdy. Hey. Patreon supporter here. What's your name? Oh, man. Samir. Hey, Samir. Thanks for supporting us, Samir. What's on your mind? Um, you kind of answered this, but I was looking for a little bit of a deeper answer. Um, it's rare that you, you see a duo like you guys work together for so long. Um, how do you resolve conflict? You know... Wait, 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 just, wait, 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 wait. Is, is there any context that you want to... No, no context. No context? I just no. give in as much as I can, honestly. <laughs> let's, let's talk about what, what, what do you mean by conflict, really? Because... Um, and, and I'm not trying to put you guys in this. No, I'm no, it's a good question. I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm, I'm just yeah. trying to. I, I just, I don't. The question presupposes that there's conflict. <laughs> no, no. So, so for example, like if you know, I've had businesses in the past where I've had partners. Some of them worked out well. Some of them didn't work out well. And I'm thinking, how could I have better uh, headed off that conflict rather than saying this isn't going to work and throw my hands up in the air and walk away? Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me. In a situation like that, like with, with a business partner, I am in a situation like that with a business partner. Well, I mean, first off, Josh and I have known each other since we were fat little fifth graders. That's totally true. So, like, we know each other very, very well, which means we really understand each other's preferences. We understand each other's likes and dislikes and, and our little quirks and whatever it is. And the fact is, is that him and I, or even me and TK, I mean, you know, these are two men that I really, really love. So I go out of my way to respect their preferences, to respect them. And here's, a th here's a, so that's number one, is I go out of my way to respect my friends, family, business partners. The other thing, because well, that is the best way to get respect back, by the way, 
is when you can go out of your way to respect someone's preferences, then they're more apt to go out of their way to respect your preferences. If you're starting from a, a zero-sum game and you're like, well, I'm not going to budge until they budge, I mean, that's probably not, not the right approach. But uh, the, other, the other thing, too, is, oh, man, I totally forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I got an answer, but it's a, a short one. I'd love to hear what TK has to say about yeah. conflict. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think about this uh, Bobby McFerrin song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And, and don't worry, that's not my answer. But there's a line in there where he says, uh, in every life you have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> I, I love that line, though, because it, it captures the idea that having problems isn't a problem. What makes problems difficult is we resent our lives for even having them. And so I think the first step to dealing with any problem is embracing the process of problem solving as a spiritual practice. To recognize that problems are not curses, but problems are gifts, not because they feel good, but because they make us better. And most of the things in life that are for our good are the things that challenge us, are the things that push us out of our comfort zones. Because we not only attract things into our lives based on our current state of consciousness, but also based on our own innate impulse towards progress. There's a part of us that's in tune with certain realities, but there's another part of us that's always striving to become a better version of ourselves. And sometimes we attract people and challenges into our lives that are designed to help us get to that next level of self-authenticity. So when you have a problem, say, you know what, I'm going to be present in a state of non-judgmental open-mindedness and attend to what this problem is trying to teach me. Second, because you didn't just ask about problems, you asked about conflict, which presupposes that there's another person involved. I just read a quote the other day by Mother Angelica that said, being a saint would be easy if it wasn't for other people. Right? <laughs> That's the hard part, right? It's the, it's when you put the other person in there, it gets really difficult. Here, here's one piece of advice I'd, I'd give on that, and, and I'll hand it over to Josh. I would say... Whenever you're trying to resolve a problem with another person, don't try to convince the other person that, or don't, don't base your solution on trying to get the other person to agree with you on how much of an idiot you think they're being. <laughs> because if the other person needs to agree with you on how much of an idiot you think they're being in order to solve the problem, the problem will never get solved. Mm. Instead of focusing on their idiocy, step back and focus on what is the goal. Because what is a problem? A problem is when you have a goal, some kind of outcome, experience, or result you want to create, and then there's some other kind of thing that functions as an obstacle standing between you and that desired outcome. That's what the problem is. And problems cannot exist if we didn't have goals or outcomes that we want to create. And so use that problem as an opportunity to take inventory of the outcomes you want to create and say, is there an opportunity for me to let that go? Is there an opportunity for me to let go of the assumption that I need that outcome in order to be who I am, that I need that outcome in order to be happy? And also you can ask yourself, is there a way of going about that outcome that doesn't require me to be married to the path that I've become addicted to following? So can I let go of either the outcome or can I let go of my one-dimensional way of thinking about how to manifest that outcome? I love that, man. It's like, it's like are you... Are you, is it, are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to like plant your flag and die on this hill? Yeah. 
And so, and thanks because like that totally helped me grab my thought back from the ether. <laughs> I don't take things personal. Like I try so hard to not take things personal. To say I don't take things personal, that's like 99% true. There are some times where I catch myself in that and I'm like, wait, why am I taking this so personal? Like this is a problem that a friend has and I have the opportunity to help them solve it. This isn't a knock at me. This is, this is just an inconvenience right now, or yeah, maybe it is a problem arising. So not take, and I do this with my, my wife, Mariah, who's here somewhere. Thanks for coming, Mariah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, tr I try really hard like, to just not take things personal, because sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll be in a mood myself for whatever reason, and I might have a certain energy that I'm projecting or an emotion that I'm projecting, and that has nothing to do with anyone but me. And it's like, I will have to sometimes say like, hey, I know I'm being kind of a crap head right now. I see a kid in the front audience, so I'm going to try and not cuss this whole <laughs> podcast. You know, I'm try I know I'm like being a jerk right now, but please don't take this personal. It's, it truly is not you. It's me. I'm just like a little messed up right now. So not only do I not take things personal, I also try to go out of my way to like make sure other people aren't taking things personal from me. What's your name, man? Samir. Samir. All conflict is self-conflict. I think that um, we get so caught up in thinking that um, the problem is outside of us and the, whatever the other person's behavior is is making us mad. But the anger arises within us and that person could behave in that same exact situation or quote-unquote worse with someone else with a completely different outcome. The anger would not arise within them. So anytime we feel frustrated, anytime we feel upset, anytime we feel offended, and we get offended recreationally now, <laughs> that's never someone else's problem. It's always my, even if they've done something to intentionally try to, def, to offend me, to upset me, it's up to me. And so the reason that we often get offended is because we've been, we've been told a lie that things are good or bad or right or wrong. The other day, Ryan and I were talking about this very specific thing, and he told me I was being complacent about that thing. And a knee-jerk reaction from me would be like, well, no, I'm not. But the answer is, yeah, I am. And what's wrong with that? I, I, I felt like it was, yes, it is perfectly appropriate for me to be complacent about this thing. And so, yes, you're right. I understand that I am. And because Ryan wasn't saying, well, you should be another way. And I think the, way, the reason that we have very little conflict between us is because we love each other. But most of us don't understand what love is. We say love is what? There's a bit in the book where it's, um, I love my wife, but I also love burritos. <laughs> well, neither one of those things are love when we talk about it. Because when we talk about loving burritos, what, do we, what does that mean? I really like this thing. That's great. Well... When I say I love my wife, what does that mean? Well, most of us say it, mean, it means it, it's an attachment. I'm attached to this person. I need you. We've been told those lies by pop songs for a long time now, right? I need you in order to be happy. You complete me. <laughs> Nonsense. I'm already complete without you, but you do augment or enhance my experience of life. To love someone is to see them for who they are without trying to change them. And so the reason Ryan and I don't have a ton of con conflict is because I'm not trying to change him. 
and he's not trying to change me. To try to change someone means you hate who they are. You could tweet that podcast, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mia, hello. Man. Oh, man. Especially when you were like, because you were looking at me, you were like, you, you don't, I'm completing myself, but you augment me. TK, <laughs> you incomplete me. That's right, but we love you still. Man, you know, it, it made me think when you were saying that, Josh, how whenever there is some type of disagreement or misunderstanding, or you can call it conflict, wherever you want, I look at it as an opportunity to like understand you more. Yes. And, and through understanding you, I understand other people. And so when you escalate a conflict, you are losing that opportunity to have a deeper understanding for who, whatever it is, whoever it is that you're having that conflict with. So going out of your way to understand is always going to, it's just always going to be more meaningful. Well, the opposite of that is what? Self-righteousness. Yeah. And so that's the reason that we want to be right in a situation. In order for me to be right, someone else has to be wrong. These are just cultural imperatives that we've made up. Oh, I'm right, therefore you're wrong. It's like, maybe we just have a different understanding of this thing. Help me understand your understanding. And even at the end of this, if I don't completely understand, it doesn't mean that I'm right. It just means that I don't understand. You know, uh, one thing I'll add to that is we've kind of been conditioned to think about power as something that depends on getting other people to see reality in the same way as you. And so if, if I can't convince you to believe in my idea, or if I can't get, convince you to vote in the way that I vote, well, then I'm, I'm fundamentally powerless because all power is democratic, right? Mm. Certainly there's no such thing as the creative power of the individual, which can be expressed in a way that's independent of other people's disagreement. Well, most of the good things that we get in life comes from that kind of creative power. There's this beautiful moment, and um, I'm going old school here, but it's in one of the Matrix movies where uh, Morpheus, he's this very esoteric character who believes in a lot of strange things. And he's arguing with this very pragmatic man and telling him what he thinks the solution is. And he gets very upset. And he says, damn it, Morpheus, not everyone believes in, in, in fairies and oracles and all of these things. Not everyone believes as you believe. And Morpheus looked at him and he said, fortunately, my beliefs do not require them to. Power isn't the ability to out-debate people. Power isn't the ability to use argument or logic to make people feel pressured to see things the way that you do. Power is the ability to look another person in the eye and say, you don't see it the way that I do. That's okay. I give you permission to be who you need to be because I know how to express myself authentically and creatively in spite of your disagreement. I love you anyway, and I'm going to do me anyway. And our lives will intersect organically at the place where our deepest gladness meets. That's power. Amen. All right, y'all, real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. It's a brand new year, 2022, and we're actually taking this week off. That's why we shared with you the first section of our Love People Use Things event in Atlanta. If you'd like to watch the rest of that event, as well as all 20 of our Love People Use Things tour stops, head on over to patreon.com slash the minimalist. You'll also gain access to hundreds of hours of private archives, previous live events, future live events, special Ask the Minimalist Anything sessions, and so much more of less. That's patreon.com slash the minimalists.
You can follow The Minimalists on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Minimalists. If you want our podcast show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. On behalf of Ryan Nicodemus, Podcast Sean, Alabama, Jordan No More, Social Jess, Danny Unknown, Emma the Immigrant, and the rest of our team, I'm Joshua Fields Milburn, reminding you to love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it